Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. Thank you for joining us This week for another great program, I'm the preacher, Dave McGarrah. And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And this show and the next show, we are going to be approaching a pretty weighty subject. Why there's suffering in the world, why bad things happen to good people, is God just, you know, just those those light kind of issues. But we're going to cover it all in the next uh, two episodes. But before we dive into that, Just want to mention, we have some pretty exciting news. We have done a full makeover of our website. First of all, new domain name. We used to try to tell people it's teacherandthepreacher.com. There's no the at the beginning. Uh, That was because somebody else had that domain name for some reason. Uh, But we got it. So now it's just like the show, theteacherandthepreacher.com. So you just type in theteacherandthepreacher.com and you'll get to us. And unlike uh, our last website, the new and improved website, everything is there there's a page with all of our past broadcasts you can do a search if you want to find uh, hey what what shows do they have about israel what special guests do they have you, you can do all of that you can contact us like you always have but you can also sign up for our blog and why would you want to sign up for our blog well we're updating that about twice weekly and from there, you get previews of new shows. You get information about the shows that actually we don't discuss on the air, things that you will only get if you get the blog. So those are all great reasons to go to theteacherandthepreacher.com. I love that. And I, I so appreciate the work that you've put into that. And I want to encourage our listeners, check it out. You can find information out about the preacher, me, and the teacher, Harold. And there's some pictures there. There's uh, some wonderful things that you can just kind of, uh, it's it's user-friendly, so you'll be able to to find your way around very easily. So check us out. I I love that, Harold, and thank you again for uh, the work you've put in to make it easier for our, our, our friends to be able to find us and stay up to speed with us. Yeah. Oh, and I should also mention, uh, we are 100% listener supported, which means we stay on the air because you allow us to stay on the air through your generosity. So, of course, if you go to the website, there is a donate button. We have a nonprofit that actually Dave and his wife have set up, Masterminded, and uh, that enables you to get a tax deduction for any donation to the teacher and the preachers. So, if you 
click the donate button. As Dave likes to say, it's painless. It's painless. And that will take you immediately to the PayPal account of Masterminded. And you can help keep us on the air. Uh, as we like to say, this is a once in 2,000 year of conversation. This is really the first time Jews and Christians are having this kind of dialogue, not debate, not disputation, not uh, throwing insults at each other, but real dialogue where we learn from each other. So we urge you to be part of that. Yeah, I, I want to say thank you as well to those who have stood by and, and donated and given to keep us on the air. What a blessing. We couldn't do it without you. So to any of our uh, donors, we just say how grateful we are and hope that those of you who may be new to the teacher and preacher will check us out. And um, if you enjoy what we're, what we're doing and uh, the things that we bring to you week after week, I hope that you'll consider joining us uh, financially as well. So Harold, you, you, you began with rolling out this story of Job, and, and basically, you know, my recollection of this story is, is really, I'll re- reduce it down to just a simple observation, and that it, it appears to be a cosmic wager that takes place between God and the devil himself in regards to no one existing in the world who actually cares about God, pays attention to God. And um, so it seems as one day the devil crosses paths with God and he basically says, what, what have you been doing? And he says, I've been roaming the world to see if there's anybody who, who cares about you and I've not found anyone. And then God... <laughs> suggests to him, well, have you considered my servant Job? Like the perfect setup. (laughs) Right. So anyway, and uh, basically the bottom line is that they get in this cosmic wager where he says, well, I'll bet I can turn his heart against you. And God says, well, you can have at it. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. You just give him a try, and, and, and Satan basically says, listen, um, once I put the heat on him and um, really hold his feet to the fire, he's going to deny you and curse you to your face. And God says, well, why don't you give it a try, and I'll tell you what, you can do anything you want to him except kill him. So this is kind of the, the wager that's going on behind the scenes in the story of this man that we meet, which, by the way, I remember early on in in ministry, uh, pastoring, uh, I had a young guy uh, start coming to church. He knew nothing about God, nothing about the Bible. And he came to me so excited, uh, I don't know, second or third week that he was coming through the door at the church. He said, you're not going to believe what I found this week. I said, what was it? He goes, I've been totally unemployed. I found an entire book in the Bible about a job. So anyway, he he was so excited about being able to get the time to read it, you know. So anyway. I I guess he probably was disappointed when he got there, not at all what he would have expected. So anyway, it was was an unforgettable moment. But anyway, you could call it Job, but uh, I think most people know it as Job. So anyway, that's the story. (laughs) So, yeah, this is one of the most unusual books in the entire Hebrew Bible. It's it's not short. It's 42 chapters, which makes it one of the longer books. And one of the things that I find interesting about it, just out of the gate, we tend to think, uh, we, I mean, just collectively tend to think as moderns 
that in, in the modern age that we have these modern issues and modern problems and you'll run across people who will say hey i don't believe in god because you know if there if god was good why is all this suffering in the world and and they tend to think that you know they've come up with these new issues that this is you know unlike the ancients unlike people in the middle ages unlike people even a century ago you know we are now enlightened and can see these things and what we find out in the book of job is that this is not a new issue at all, that in fact, uh, we, we don't actually know, this is one of the interesting things, there's so much sketchy here, and one of the things that's sketchy is we really don't know when it was written. There are also, there's all sorts of scholarly debate uh, anywhere from around the time of Abraham to around the third or fourth century BCE, uh, everything in between, you, you've got you know, a thousand year or really more than that span of when it could be written. So we don't even know when it's written. That's true. That's absolutely true. I think um, they all uh, look at this particular book as the the first book of the Bible, which is um, kind of interesting because most of the time people don't see it. They just see it sandwiched in, you know, in the book. Right. And... Um, it, it doesn't uh, cross most people's minds. I, I wonder what was the very first book. They, I think they think it's automatically Genesis. Right. And we, we don't know when this was written, but the, we do know it was written whenever it was written. It was a long time ago. And here we see that actually in ancient times and biblical times, they struggled with these issues. There's a whole book. It, you also find it, by the way, and you, know, you find it in Psalms where David is crying out many times to God, you know, why is evil befalling me? Why are my enemies attacking me? Uh, you find it in Ecclesiastes. You find it in other places. But nowhere is it so center stage as Job of it's really just in your face. This is the issue. You know, is God just? Is God good? How can good people suffer? Why would God do this? All these things. And this is thousands of years ago. Ago, they were wrestling with this. Yeah, the apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree. I mean, this is one of the things I think a lot of times when we think about people in the Bible and centuries and millennia ago, we don't see them as uh, people like 21st century people. Right. You know, we think that they were so archaic. One of the things archaeology exposes is the fact that these people who lived, you know, so far back still had phenomenal ways of living. I mean, they they yeah. still confound scientists and, and, and builders on how did they pull this thing off? How did they construct this thing? How did they how did they dig this out? I mean, so it's 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 just the point you made that you know what? Those people, when you cut them, they bleed, they get mm. hungry. They get sleepy, they get tired, they get exhausted, they get worn out, they're happy, they cry, they lose, uh, they lose things like their health, they lose things like their children, they lose things like their friends. I mean, this is such a relational story, Harold. And when you stop to think about the interesting thing that kind of sets this book apart, when we meet Job, you know, he's, he's a faithful Man, he's been faithful in his relationship with God. He's been endeavoring to walk before the Lord in obedience and honor and respect and value the relationship when all of a sudden he becomes, as I mentioned before, this object of this cosmic wager. And the next thing you know, you see this totally 
you know, unexpected attack by the kingdom of darkness on his life and his family and these trials, these trials that he faces. And I think one of the blessings of God including this in his word is that it gives us a chance to relate with somebody who's been where I may find myself at right now. Right. And it's truly a universal story, and I mean in every sense. One thing, uh, at least this is from the Jewish tradition, the understanding is that actually Job is not Jewish. Uh, by the way, it's Eov in Hebrew. So if uh, if your parishioner actually read Hebrew, he, he wouldn't have made that mistake about it, it being about a job. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Job is described as... Uh, you know, he, he's basically uh, coming from – they really haven't placed where it is, but it's either the land of Aram, which is north of Israel going toward Mesopotamia, or the land of Edom, which is south, uh, you know, more toward what is in modern Israel, more toward a lot. Uh, but it's very clear, and, and from his name, the names of his three friends, it, these are not uh, Israelites. These are not Jews. These These are – people who aren't Jewish. So there's a message there too, because that's also unusual to find in the Hebrew Bible, a whole book about someone who's not Jewish. Uh, And the message there is that this is truly a universal story. This is about, you know, Jews struggle with this issue, but this is literally an issue for everyone. So let's just consider the text for a few minutes here, because we, we may have some listeners that are not familiar at all with the story. But the way the story goes is that it says in the land of Uz or Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God, shunned evil. He had seven sons, three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. He was the Greatest man among all the people of the East. So it gives us some some really good insights into the caliber of person this guy was. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. In other words, he, would, he cared about his children, and he cared about their spiritual relationship. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, hey, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was his regular custom. So he was always interceding for his children, always praying for them, which I think people can relate to today. And one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, well, where, where have you come from? And he answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? In other words, he's only doing this because you you treat him good, but if you stop treating him good, you know, he wouldn't follow you. Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that the flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But you stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, hmm, very well then, everything he has in your hands 
is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. And with that, Satan goes out from the presence of the Lord, and it says one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine, and the oldest brother at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the swords, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and your daughters, it gets pretty personal here, were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. And when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house and it collapsed on them and they are dead. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. That is disaster, isn't it? So he's, you have this person we've been told is, is only good, you know, has a strong faith in God, does everything right. He's been blessed by God and with his family, with all his material possessions. And just like that, 10 children gone, his material possessions gone. And what's striking is then it says, with all this, Job did not sin and did not cast reproach on God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His attitude, his spirit, his mindset. I mean, part of the reason that we, we scratch our head a bit is because we wonder how, how in the world did he have the capacity to do that when virtually everything that he's loved and cared for is now totally wiped out. And what he's left with is uh, what some consider to be a nagging wife. <laughs> right? Right, Be before we get to the wife, I just want to back up just a little bit uh, because we, we talk about Satan and it's very interesting because, and this appears in, in, in several places in the Hebrew Bible, but you have hasatan in Hebrew, so not, not too far from how we say it in English. Hasatan means basically the accuser. And in, in Jewish tradition, it's thought of very much, it's not like the Christian concept uh, of Satan, but more like a prosecuting attorney. He's an angel like other angels, but he's there and he does exactly what he does here. He, he's the one who basically goes to God and says, oh, you think Job is so righteous? All right, let, let, let's, let's test him. But he doesn't have any independent power in, in this story. He can only do what God allows him to do, just like any other angel. Right, right. Well, this is an interesting book, a, a fascinating story, and we as the reader get a chance to kind of view this at, at several different levels. One is kind of the, the 30,000 foot overview, and we're watching Job and, and seeing what's going to happen. We're watching this conversation in, in the cosmic arena, this, um, this encounter between this this fallen angel and God himself and the dialogue and the response and reactions. And for some reason, I seem to end up looking at 
Satan in this particular role as a little bit of a wily e. coyote off of the Roadrunner, <laughs> where, you know, everything he tries to throw, he ends up, you know, it, it blows up on him because he's, he's, he's certain that Job is going to curse God to his face. The scripture goes on to say in, in verse 20 of chapter 1, at, this, at all of this news, Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell to the ground, and what did he do? He, he worshiped the Lord. And he said, you know, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And as you mentioned, Harold, in all this it says Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. That's a powerful attitude and perspective, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we think how many of us uh, in this situation, we're not talking about a minor inconvenience. We're talking about, he still has his health at this point, but we're basically talking about losing pretty much everything. How many people wouldn't, it would be a very natural reaction, wouldn't say, why did God do this to me? Yeah. All right. What went wrong? What did I do? Let's get this dealt with so I can can go back to things when it was better, right? Right. And um, that that's, this is a hard one. But it doesn't stop there, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> so what happens next? So next, so as you say, uh, you know, Hasatan, Satan, is, is totally frustrated because he went to God saying, hey, all I got to do is, uh, you know, inflict some damage on uh, Job, and he's going to start cursing God. And obviously that doesn't happen. So now the angels are again assembled with God. And, you know, God says to Satan, the accuser, did you notice my servant Job, for there's no man like him on earth, a virtuous and upright man, and it goes on. And now, uh, basically, Satan, the accuser, ups the ante. The accuser said to the Lord, skin for skin, everything that a man has, he will give for his life. Uh, however, extend your hand now and touch his bone and flesh. Won't he blaspheme you to your face? In other words... Okay, so his material possession's fine, but the minute he's hurt in his body, he suffers ill health, things are going to change. You watch. And the Lord says to the accuser, behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. Now, you stand back from that and you think God just said, just do whatever you want to him. You know, you can, you can take him within an inch of his life. As long as you don't kill him, do whatever you want. And this is to the man that, just the paragraph before, the little couple lines before, God just said, did you see my servant Job, how he's so righteous? And, you know, so you're immediately set up with, why is God doing this? If you didn't have this opening, these uh, opening um, scenes, uh, you know, what's happening behind the scenes, so to speak, in heaven, you and you just said, you just read that, wow, all these bad things happened to Job, and that's all you had, which is what we'd normally have to go on in the world of, hey, bad things happen. Then we might normally assume, oh, hey, Job must have done something wrong. There must be some reason for this. But we're going into this as the reader knowing, but no, Job didn't do anything wrong. This is all because of a bet between God and Hasatan. One of the things that I love about God's Word, and I know that you do as well, is that the Bible isn't afraid of the tough questions when it comes to this issue called suffering. And that's where we find Job. He is suffering, suffering. You just uh, brought us to this point where now he's lost his health. 
and um, and it, the Bible says that you know Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head, and Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. So he's sitting on this ash heap. He's scraping his boils, if you will. When along comes his wife, and she says to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Now you This know, is not what's called a supportive relationship. Yes. Uh, she's <laughs> not having a good day. Well, guess what? She's lost her 10 children. Yeah. She's, she's lost that which has been extremely dear to her. And so here, here this couple is suffering. And I just think that one of the oldest stories recorded in history anchors such a heavy and important place here in the Scripture as this guy that we're meeting named Job undergoes so much suffering that no mother on earth would ever ever want to give a name to her son of Job. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? But you know what? We we have not forgotten Job and the way that he dealt with his suffering and what became the source of his strength. And, and this is one of the things that I think, once again, as we just kind of are wading into the beginning of this story— it plays such an important role in looking into the mirror as if it were our own life and 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 coming to terms of whether or not we would be willing to put our faith in a God like the God of this book. And I think it's intended to play such a critical role in who we are as God's people, who we are in our faith, and whether or not we still believe that God is good, even though there is great suffering in our world. Yeah, absolutely. So we're actually, I know we're, we're close to the end and we barely of our show and we've barely gotten into this story. So maybe we should just get a, a preview of what's coming because we will pick this up next week. And we urge you, our listeners, to join us next week because uh, you can't really leave it here of just, okay, so um, Satan attacks Job. He's lost everything. He's lost his health. His wife tells him to curse God. And, and there he sits. And that, that's clearly not the end of the story because this is actually just the beginning of the story. Now is where it gets interesting. So Job has three friends who come along. You could put friends in quotes as the story goes along. And at first they sit with him just almost letting him suffer in silence, just almost to be there like a comfort, the way you would expect friends to be. But then Joe begins to speak about it, and then they start basically giving him advice. And, you know, when you've lost your 10 children and you've lost everything you own and you're sitting there with sores over your body, probably the last thing you want to hear is your friends tell you what went wrong and what you're doing wrong and give you advice. Yeah. So you know what? You've walked us to the edge of the cliffhanger, and you have to wait till next week when we uh, revisit this story because we're out of time. But this is such a good conversation for us, Harold, and for our listeners. I, I love this book. You know what? Why, why do bad things happen to good people? That's what you started off the program, and that's what we're, we're going 
to really dig into next week because the answer that's given to Job may or may not satisfy the reader. And so uh, don't miss next week. Until then, check us out, theteacherandthepreacher.com, theteacherandthepreacher.com, new website. Check it out. You'll love it. Write us, theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Harold and I will read it. And check out our Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us again this weekend. Until next weekend, may the God of Israel who watches over Israel because he never slumbers or or never sleeps. May he bless our Jewish friends, and may God bless America. Amen.